talk about choosing your God. Will you stand with me as we're going to read Joshua 24, 1 through 16. And it's a familiar passage once again. I don't know, maybe all the Bible is familiar these days, right? You've just been through it so many times. Joshua called together all the tribes of Israel at Shechem. He called in the elders, chiefs, judges, and officers. They presented themselves before God. Then Joshua addressed all the people. This is what God, the God of Israel, says. So this is a prophetic statement. This is not Joshua talking now. He says this is from God. Hear this, from God. A long time ago, your ancestors, Terah and his sons, Abraham and Nahor, lived to the east of the river Euphrates. They worshipped other gods. I took your ancestor Abraham from the far side of the river and led him all over the land of Canaan and multiplied his descendants. I gave him Isaac. Then I gave Isaac, Jacob, and Esau. I let Esau have the mountains of Seir as home, but Jacob and his sons ended up in Egypt. I sent Moses and Aaron. I hit Egypt hard with plagues, and then I led you out of there. I brought your ancestors out of Egypt. You came to the sea, the Egyptians in hot pursuit, with chariots and cavalry to the very edge of the Red Sea. Then they cried out for help to God. He put a cloud between you and the Egyptians and then let the sea loose on them. It drowned them. You watched the whole thing with your own eyes, what I did to Egypt. And then you lived in the wilderness for a long time. I brought you to the country of the Amorites who lived east of the Jordan, and they fought you. But I fought for you, and you took their land. I destroyed them for you. Then Balak, son of Zippor, made his appearance. He was the king of Moab. He got ready to fight Israel by sending Balaam, the son of Beor, to come and curse you. But I wouldn't listen to Balaam. He ended up blessing you over and over. I saved you from him. And then you lived in the wilderness. for. Oops, I'm pushing the wrong button. <laughs> then you crossed the Jordan and came to Jericho, and the Jericho leaders ganged up on you as well as the Amorites, Perizzites, Canaanite, Hittite, Girgashites, Hivites, and Jebusites, but I turned them over to you. I sent the hornet ahead of you. I drove out the Amorite kings, did your work for you. You didn't have to do a thing, so, not so much as raise a finger. I handed you a land which you did not work, towns you did not build, and there you are now living in them and eating from vineyards and olive groves. So now, fear God, worship him in total commitment. Get rid of the gods of your ancestors, the gods your ancestors worshipped on the far side of the river, the Euphrates. And in Egypt, you worship God. If you decide that it's a bad thing to worship God, then choose a God you'd rather serve and do it today. Choose one of the gods of your ancestors' worship from across, one of the gods your ancestors worship from the country beyond the river, or one of the gods of the Amorites on whose land you're now living. 
As for me and my family, we'll worship God. The people answered, we'd never forsake God, never. We'd never leave God to worship other gods. Lord Jesus, bless your word, we pray. As we look at it this morning, may it minister to our hearts. May it sharpen our thinking and encourage us, spur us to be more purposeful and intentional in seeking you, in setting aside time and space and opportunity, in calling upon you regularly, we pray. Lord, that we might lay down the things of this world and focus our attention, our thoughts, our life and our purpose upon you, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. got some unfinished business you want to go back and take care of over there? Okay, well, then you feel like I do. I'm happy to be in 2014. I'm happy that uh, uh, 2013 is gone. But on the other hand, uh, we've already had some severe difficulties in in the year of 2014. Uh, Christmas season this year was warm and wonderful. I think I enjoyed Christmas as much as I've ever enjoyed it. Uh, this year that it just brought some peace and joy two Christmas programs an open house you know we just had a good time this year and then we had a nice quiet New Year's Eve service uh, and a faithful group that came out to pray over the city so it's been a, a good introduction into 2014 so wh- what are you going to do with 2014 what, what will you do with it It's not talking to me, Mike. There it is. Thanks. You're just going to take 2014 as it comes, just one day at a time, come see, come saw, whatever, you know. Just just wait for the next shoe to drop. Let the events and activities of the year catch you off guard. See, we're not psychic to be able to see what lies ahead in the year. Uh, the stock market may continue to set new highs. Wouldn't that be wonderful? Wonderful, excuse me. The jobs may become easier to find. However, I don't think Lucas finding a job was an indication of any change in the job market. I think it's an indication of Lucas seeking God. You know? And uh, if you find a job this year, you know, and God opens that door for Sue, that uh, we're going to give God the praise. It's not because... But the job market could get better. It is slightly getting better, slowly, barely, but just healthcare program, that could begin to work, you know. Maybe maybe they'll get it fixed. <laughs> you know, when I wrote this, I thought it sounded sarcastic, and I don't mean for it to be. You know, I don't mean for it to be. Let's pray. How was that? No... Yeah, that, that God would provide blessing. It, it would be best if the health care program started to work like it should. That would be best. And it would help people. That would be best. You know, it might not make political hay for the Republicans, but it would be the best for the country. And that's what you ought to be looking for. You know, not 
not for your team to win or something, but, but for the country to be prospered and blessed. Uh, civil war in Syria could end. The chemical weapons could be all secured and put away. Uh, Iran could stop pursuing nuclear weapons. They could lay those down. I'm saying these, those are things that could happen in 2014. Again, I, I, you know, it sounds sarcastic because you say, well, I just don't expect that. I, 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 I don't see that happening. No, but that's the direction you ought to be praying. That ought, that's what you ought to be asking God to see take place. Israel could leave and live in peace, live in peace and prosperity and be blessed and left alone. Things could uh, go so well that the demand on our food bank would start to fall. And that would be an amazing turn of events, that people would not need the help that they so desperately need. Let's pray for that. And I pray that we'd see revival at Grapevine, that this place would be packed seven days a week with people seeking God and just desiring God. Those are all on my prayer list for 2014. You know, that uh, these things would happen. None of those things are within my control. None of those things are within your control other than praying about them and asking God, seeking God for them. But you can guarantee that this will be your best year ever in your walk with God. That's, that's one thing you can do. That's the one thing you can do. Because scripture says, draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. If you'll pursue him, he'll pursue you. He's already pursuing you. And you're running like, I don't know what. The one thing you can change in 2014 is your relationship with him. You You can put more energy into it. You can seek him more purely. You can seek him more focused. In our our scripture reading, Joshua called the people of Israel to Shechem. And you can read right past that without realizing, yeah, he called them to some place. But Shechem at this point in history was the homeland, the the seat, the capital of Israel. This, This was their one place, this was one territory that they had a handle on and they felt at home. Because uh, in Genesis, it says Abraham passed through the land to the place of Shechem. This is the place that now Joshua has called the people of Israel back to, said, come to Shechem. So they, Shechem is a wide valley uh, with Mount Ebal on one side, Mount Gerizim on the other. Well, both of those mountains play a significant place in the history of Israel. And so this was a large valley where they could encamp. Many scholars believe that they would have brought the tabernacle and set it up there in the valley. Uh, They would have taken their order and arrangement of the lands as they had in the days of the wilderness and camped out there so that they could all come to Shechem. And this was a holy convocation, if you will. Uh, It says Abraham passed through the land to the place of Shechem as far as the Tenebeth tree of Morah which was in the valley of Shechem. Tenebeth tree is an oak to us. Uh, It was under that Tenebeth tree that uh, Abraham had many uh, uh, moments with God. It says there that the 
Canaanites were in the land, and the Canaanites were still in the land, uh, but they're in the land of Shechem. Abraham had gone, and God appeared to Abraham at Shechem, near the oak of Tenebreth. He said to your, to your descendants, I'll give this land. This is the spot where God had spoken to Abraham and said, I'm giving you this land. And there he, Abraham, built an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. So Shechem was a very holy, sacred site in the understanding of the people of Israel at this point in time. This was a place where God had done things for them. Uh, Much of the life of Abraham was centered in that valley of Shechem. And uh, it was there that the people had reaffirmed their commitment to the Lord back in Joshua chapter 8. It was truly holy ground for them. Do you have any Shechems in your life? Did you ever stop to think about what, what, what might be your Shechem? You know, where, where, where did God touch your life most profoundly? You know, I think of a little chapel in Old Oak Ranch uh, over near Sonora, you know, the youth camp over there, where, where on a certain night in the middle of the floor and before they remodeled the building, I could have taken you to the very spot and, and showed you the piece of tile I was kneeling on, you know, uh, when God called me into the ministry and when I was filled with the Holy Spirit and so forth. And unique things happened in my life at Old Oak Ranch. So Old Oak Ranch is kind of my Shechem. In fact, uh, many years later, uh, as a land surveyor, I, I went up and volunteered and did some work for them. And I took my sons and who worked for me. And so as we sat down to eat lunch at the picnic table there, they began to reminisce, saying, wow, what an, what an amazing place this is, you know, because even in their lives, important things, spiritual happenings had taken place at Old Oak Ranch, and, and you know, right over there this, and right over here that happened, and, and this is when God said this, and so forth. And so uh, do you have a, a Shechem in your life? Or do you think about that? Do you, do you know where you would, if you were to back to, go back to a holy spot where it would be you know you don't have to go back physically it's great when you can but you need to be able to mentally say this is my holy ground this is I remember that time I remember that place we've talked in times past about building altars you know in fact uh, on our way home here this last week uh, I was able to show my wife because it was still daylight as we were driving by and I said that's where I built the altar right there you see that yeah, I see that pile of rocks, yeah. So that's, our, that's our altar. That's where God first spoke to me about Las Vegas. And uh, she wanted to get out and tear the altar down. <laughs> 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 oh, <shit. laughs> Strike that. Uh, that was not true. She did not. She did not. I made that all up just as, just as uh, I was talking. So you need a Shechem, a place where, where God has been speaking to you, where, where you can go back in your mind and say, man, on that day, if God never talked to me any other time in my life, I know on that day, I know at that time, God really spoke to me. Nobody could convince me Nobody can tell me that God didn't speak to me there and then. 
you know, as I'm thinking about it now, I could take you back to the Foursquare Church in Pasadena there, and in that little basement room there, I could show you a chair where I knelt and, and sang into my heart, into my heart, come into my heart, Lord Jesus. You know, that's sacred ground to me. Uh, it's a small building. It's not a, not a big church. But, boy, my heart just beats a little stronger when I'm there, you know, and I think, wow, this is the, this is the place where God began to speak to me. So Joshua called the people of Israel to Shechem. This was not just a convenient place to meet. This was not just a casual gathering. He said, come back to where God spoke to you and consider. Joshua says to all the people, thus says the Lord, Oh, where did the important events in your spiritual life take place? Joshua said to the people, thus says the Lord, the God of Israel. So this is a prophecy. This is a prophetic word directly from God himself saying, the God of Israel long ago, your fathers lived beyond the Euphrates and Terah, the father of Abraham and Nahor, and they served other gods. Well, I'm thankful that uh, I can trace my family history back three generations. Uh, you know, my father... Was a Christian, as you know, a believer, Pastor Bud, and my grandparents uh, were believers. They, my grandparents on both sides, attended the Pasadena Foursquare Church, and that's where my parents met and married. And uh, so I'm third generation Foursquare, so I can look back at that and say, "Well, I'm good." And beyond that, I don't know uh, a lot about the family. I need to do some research on that, but. Uh, now that I'm getting older, it becomes interesting to me. Uh, but I, I do know that they were believers as well, that, that even back in generations prior to that, that they were also believers. And that the other side of the family, the aunts and the uncles on the other side, the Bell family in particular, uh, that my cousins, second cousins on that side are also believers and their families were believers. So I, I have a good history, uh, you know, a good background. But... Maybe for you, you look back and say, well, wait a minute, I'm the first Christian in my family. Or, you know, I'm the second generation Christian. I don't know how many, how far back you would look. But at some point in time, you'd look back and say, you know, at some point we were just a bunch of heathen. At some point we were hopeless and helpless and lost and undone. And even if your family raised you right, you didn't walk perfectly, did you? any more than any of the rest of us did. We determined we are going to figure it out ourselves and make our own mistakes, and boy, did we do good at that. Uh, and so uh, Joshua is saying, you know, it wasn't too long ago. It had been 100 years or more that this had been in progress, but that's not a lot of time when you think about it. Uh, he said, back then, Terah, our, our grandfather, great-grandfather, they were serving other gods. They were out there just worshiping. They didn't know what. They were just trying to figure it out on their own. And uh, then God says, uh, yeah, you didn't choose me. I chose you. God says, I, I, I chose Abraham. I picked him out. Here's the next. Then I took your father Abraham. I got that slide out of order. I, 
Notice how many times in the scripture here God is using the term I. When you use I, it's selfish. But God is pointing out here, wait a minute, I did this. He says, I took your father Abraham from beyond the river and led him through all the land of Canaan. The scripture doesn't tell us that Abraham was saying, oh God, where are you? I need to find you. God, I'm looking for you. Where are you? No, it says God spoke to Abraham. He said, Abraham, Abraham, come out of here. Get away from those people. Come, come the direction that I'm going to show you. I don't know how your salvation came about. I don't know how, what it was. You know, each of us have a different story perhaps. But at some point in time, God touched your life. You know, it may be the grandma harped and harped and harped and harped and harped and said you need to go to Sunday school and you need to go to youth group and you need to get into church and you need to be a member and all of that. And you just plugged your ears and did your thing and and went your own way. But at some point, God began to tug at your heart. God began to pull, began to speak to you. So you didn't do this yourself. And he's telling the children of Israel that as well. I took Abraham from the river and I led him through the land of Canaan and made his offspring many. I gave him Isaac. Who did Abraham get? Ishmael. That was his plan. You know, let's fix it for God. God made a promise, but he can't keep it, so we'll fix it. We'll we'll just have a a kid of our own. Yeah? No. God reminds Israel, I, I gave him Isaac. And then to Isaac, I gave Jacob and Esau. I gave Esau the hill country of Seir to possess. He gets over here on the east side of the Jordan, and Jacob and his children, they had to go down into Egypt. And then I sent Moses and Aaron. I sent Moses and Aaron. You know the story of Moses and how he ran, was put into the house of Pharaoh to be raised, then killed the Egyptian and had to flee for his life and go down, and then God called him back. I mean, you can see the supernatural hand of God over a long period of time orchestrating and bringing about all of these events in the life of Israel, in the nation of Israel. So he says, I, I sent Moses and Aaron, and I plagued Egypt with what I did in the midst of it. Moses didn't do the plagues. God did them. Moses just a spokesman saying, if you don't, God says he's going to do this. So God says, I, I worked all of these things. Uh, I plagued Egypt with what I did in the midst of it. And afterward, who brought you out? God did. These things relate to your life as well. You know, that all the troubles and the tests and the trials, the pain, the heartache, the confusion, the stupidity, God used all of those things to weave into your life to bring you out. And he said, I did all of those things. But I, yeah, but I wouldn't listen to Balaam when you skip on down. I wouldn't listen to Balaam. You know, Balak hired Balaam to come and curse Israel. And uh, bring confusion to them. Balak, Balaam received pay for that. He was, uh, so he went up on the mountain, you know the story, and he began to try to bless or try to curse the people of Israel. And as he opened his mouth, only blessings would come out. And the king that hired him got mad. He said, well, let's go higher on the mountain. Let's go up higher. It'll work better up higher on the mountain. So they go up higher on the mountain. Balaam raises his hands to curse Israel. Nothing can come out of his mouth but blessings. 
The king said, I'm going to have your head, man. I'm paying you good money to curse these people. He said, well, I don't know what's happening. Let's go a little higher on the mountain. So they get up on the top of the mountain. Balaam raises his hands to curse Israel, and only blessings will come out. God says, I did that. I did that. I wouldn't listen to Balaam. He ended up blessing you over and over. I saved you from him. You know, the enemy has tried to put curses on you, tried to mess you up. He said, people tell you you're no good, dirty, rotten, low down, whatever. You know, you're never going to make it. You're just like your mom, just like your dad, just like some other scoundrel. And you'll never be any good. And they try to put that curse on you. And God said, I broke that off. I'm the, I'm the one that did that. So be careful that you don't think that, well, you know, I'm all that in a bag of chips. I've, I've got my life together now, you know. Uh, I'm on the right path. I'm going in the right direction. I'm cruising. I'm just kind of put it back here on, on cruise control and kick back and cruise along. Now let me go back to that. You didn't, you didn't choose me, John fifteen sixteen. I chose you. And I appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain and that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it you. So God says, you think you pursued God? You think you made a, a, a great decision going to Grapevine, right? Here, Pastor Dean. Oh, that'll fix everything. That, that'll just solve all your problems. No. God at work in your life. God moving you along. He says, I sent the hornet ahead of you. It wasn't literally hornets, but it was confusion that he sent ahead of them so that often their enemies fought against each other. He said, I stirred things up. I drove out the two kings of the Amorite kings. I did your work for you. I did it for you. You didn't have to do a thing. Not even so much as raise a finger. You didn't have to do anything. I brought this to pass. If God were to speak to you today in the first person, what would he remind you of? I healed your marriage. I delivered you from drugs. I delivered you from alcohol. I put your life back together. Well, that's God saying, I, I have done these things. I'm the one. You say, boy, wasn't I brilliant in making the right decision for this and for that? If you ever have a, had a brilliant thought, you know where it came from, of course. I, I, I won't have to tell you. God delivered them from Egypt. Anybody here ever been a slave to anything? Yeah, yeah. You couldn't get out? You couldn't get free? You, you, you tried, you kicked, you screamed, you prayed, whatever. You couldn't get there? God says, well, I delivered you from Egypt. He provided for them through the wilderness when they didn't know where they were going or what they were doing or how they could live or how they could survive. He, 
wouldn't let Balaam curse him. He said, I handed you a land that you didn't work for. Towns you didn't build. Here you are now living in them, eating from vineyards and olive groves. Anything you've got came from the hand of God. Are you aware of that? You want to argue about that a little bit? You know, somebody said. What was it the president said some years ago? He said, you didn't build that business, you know, that uh, the community did or whatever. And, and boy, did that stir up a hornet's nest for him. Uh, you know, and you say, well, that's right. We, I built this. I did that. I, I did, you know, we, we, we. Really? This great country of ours. Did we build this? Was this our design? Or was the hand of God on this nation? Did God provide that? Whatever blessings you have now, you know, you, you may have irritation about some things about our community or our nation or, uh, you know, political issues and so forth, but there's still no, no greater place on earth to live than where you're living right now. There, there isn't anything any better than this. And I know that, uh, that our culture is trying to say, we did it, we did it, and we're going to make it better. We're going to make it better. Oh, wait a minute. You didn't do it. And you're not going to make it better unless you're listening to God. So now you're living in these towns that you didn't build, and you're eating from vineyards and olive groves that you didn't plant. So his conclusion is then, fear God. Worship him in total commitment. I don't think there's anything more important for you or for me in the year 2014 than that statement right there. Total commitment to God. Total commitment to God. I don't know what's going to happen. All the issues, all the confusion, all the things that we're so concerned about in our nation and in our world. I don't have a solution for them. But I do know that if I will totally commit myself to God, if I will pursue him with all I've got, I personally will have the most blessed year I've ever had doesn't mean it won't be without any tests or trials. doesn't even mean there won't be any heartaches, but it'll mean that I walk through them hand in hand with the Creator Himself. He said, if you decide that it's a bad thing to worship God, then go ahead and choose a God. Hey, anybody want drugs? Alcohol? What'd that do for you? You know? Chasing around, did that help? Satisfy? He said, go ahead, choose a God that you'd rather serve. Do it now. Make up your mind. If, if you think the world has got a better offer, go for it. If you think there's something out there that's going to meet your need, get on with it. I think of the story of... Uh, well, I don't think of the name that goes with the story. <laughs> used to play the guitar, the lady that played the guitar on our worship team. Uh, and uh, she was in the hospital, uh, drying out from her addiction, and in great pain and in great sorrow, uh, Gail. And uh, brother came to visit her from Grapevine. And, you know, said, is there anything we could do to help? Any way that, uh, that we could be a blessing to you? She said, you know what? I need a cigarette so bad I can't stand it. 
I need a cigarette. He went out and bought her a carton and brought it back. He said, there you go. She said, that blew me away. She said, I thought he was going to lecture me that cigarettes were bad, you know, that I, I shouldn't be smoking, that, that I had enough addictions in my body, I ought to quit, and then that Christians didn't smoke, you know, and, and all this. But he, he just went out and he came back and he brought me an entire carton of cigarettes. She said, wow, I, I was amazed by that. She said, that's not what I want. She said, I, I didn't even want cigarettes after that. I said, no, that, that was just something that's driving me crazy at the moment, but I, I decided I, I don't want cigarettes either. So she quit cigarettes. If you decide it's a bad thing to worship God, then choose a God you'd rather serve and do it today. Choose one of the gods your ancestors worshipped from the country beyond the river. Maybe, maybe you've lived a pretty decent life. Well, then choose one of the gods that messed up your family in the past. Go back into something there. No. Maybe you want to choose a god of the Amorites in whose country you're living now. Maybe you'd like to be like the rest of Las Vegas. They're down there on the strip having a party every night. Did you know that? They are knocking themselves out. They are just having the best time. Oh, man, they're living high on the hog. They're having all that fun. And you're sitting here in church. Really? What's that going to get them? Where's that going to go? What God would you choose if you had to choose any other God? What God could be chosen? Well, Joshua says, as for me and my family, we'll worship God. Me and my family, we're going to worship God. People answered, we'd never forsake God, never. We'd never leave God to worship other gods. How can you pursue God better than you are right now? How could you be more consistent in your walk with God than you are right now? What could you do to improve your relationship with God? Certainly reading scripture will help. Prayer, church attendance, participation, all of those things will vitally recharge your spiritual life. Of all the things that opportunities that are available to us, and there are many, I mean, you know, you can play with your iPad till the cows come home. Uh, or your cell phone, or uh, the plague. Listen, it is a plague of these games. As innocent as Candy Crush. That occupy our time. That consume our time. You know, we need to be steward, good stewards of our time. Years ago, somebody said, late night TV cancels early morning prayer. Yeah? Well? Cancels good Bible study. 
Choose. Choose wisely this year. What am I going to do with 2014? What, what's, what, what do I focus on this year that will do me the most benefit? Well, I, I don't think there's anything of this world that's going to benefit you more than even a little improvement in your relationship with God. So let's determine to focus. Uh, should I mention that OSL would be a good way to get that going? This wasn't intended to be an OSL promo, but it works fine for that purpose. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Will you stand with me this morning? Praise God. Lord, we thank you for this year that you have laid before us. We're surprised. I'm surprised that we even made it to 2014. So we ask your blessing upon it. Pray, Lord Jesus, that we would walk carefully. It's a dangerous world we're living in. We're not at all surprised by that. We've seen it all before. And whatever may come, Lord, that we would be drawn close to you so that all you need to do is whisper and we move in the right direction and that you will keep us day by day. Lord, help us to choose carefully the God that we will serve. And that is you and the only God that can do us any good whatsoever. Lord, we pray for those that are hurting today, the loss of their loved ones, uh, for Teresa and Jack and for Tish and uh, Austin and Zach, Easton, for... Pray for Faye Crunk's family, for uh, Lee and David and Renee and uh, my niece, my cousin, Vivica, Lord, that we're so close to her. Pray for Lori Gruel, her family, Lord, as they deal with their father's passing. And we pray for Aliyah Manticus, Lord, and for her family, that uh, the comfort of the Holy Spirit would minister to each one of these, we pray. Lord, help us to know where to walk. Give us vision for how we improve our personal relationship with you, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.